Hi, this is Jim Tremaine from DJ Times Magazine. And uh, on our video series today, we're very happy to have Dr. Gigi Johnson from the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music. Um, Dr. Johnson, I, I'm guessing you're probably not ready for this, but uh, I do have some Herb Albert music. Ah, uh, excellent. So, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, we got the... Uh, clam dip or I forget what the other one, the sha shaving cream uh, cover. Um, so thank you so much for doing this. I know that you have worked a lot on the digital side of the business and specializing in disruption and some of the opportunities that come from disruption in the music industry and this COVID experience has been one hell of a disruption, hasn't it? Well, I was actually thinking as you're sharing that, that we have the privilege of her Belpert and his family coming to things like graduation and performing. So all that live part of our experience is also gone the way of, of remote everything. So um, that made me actually a little sad in, in looking at those covers because that's one of the highlights of graduation, which otherwise is in about, what, four weeks? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess academia has taken a bit of a hit as well. Uh, you, you guys have had to work remotely also? We are... Goodness gracious, I think I'm teaching um, 105 students online right now. So having them from their uh, apartments, homes, family homes in Southern California, all the way through Indonesia and, um, and Brazil. So it, it's, uh, it's causing a lot of disruption. I've been teaching online at various places and ways for a decade. So it's a little bit of a normal space for me, but for my students, it's a bit of a change. And my students actually, who are uh, actual uh, professional musicians for years or aspiring music execs, they're having to rethink their whole careers right now. Let's talk a little bit about how you've had to, I guess, pivot to a degree towards the, the immediate uh, crisis that's going on and the implications that it has mm -hmm. for the music industry. How, how, have, how have you pivoted in, in what respect have wow. you done so? Um, um, probably in about five or six ways. The ones that come to mind immediately is that we started a new class at UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music on music industry now during COVID-19. So I've got about 90 students in that class who are exploring every area of interest and passion that you can imagine, including DJ work. Um, including a lot of live concert work and, and exploring from their homes, wherever they happen to be, about what's happening um, in all these spaces. And I'm pushing them hard to reach out and talk to as many people as possible uh, to be able to actually be teaching in the digital wild, right? Helping students be storytelling, doing videos, blogs, um, and exploring about what this means for the creators they're passionate about, but also their own professional lives. So. I think we put that together with about a week's notice and are teaching that on Wednesday nights with guests who can then beam in all over the country and if we wanted to stretch out all over the world. So that's that's been one, uh, which has been a, an adventure for me because I'm riding the edge with students who are out exploring areas that I may not have anything to do with and um, helping them see ways that their careers may transform but how all sorts of segments of the music industry are going through massive change right now. Yeah, huge change. And for the DJ uh, and the traditional musician, we've seen a ton of uh, streaming out there. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. I, um, I was listening to your podcast, it's called Innovating Music, and I would, I would recommend it to anybody who uh, wants to know more about um, 
how quickly the music industry has changed and evolved in the, in the digital world. And you had uh, the Bands in Town CEO on uh, yeah. recently, and he was explaining um, how the COVID experience has really created new opportunities in, in, in some odd ways. Especially in the fact that they've been able to pivot and become the digital dashboard of live streaming. So you don't have to say, okay, is that on Twitch? Is that on Stage It? Is that on IG? Where is it that they're pointing the way? But the other stuff that Fabrice talks about, which I found fascinating, is that now you, in many ways, don't have a data intermediary, that you're able to find out who was there, who to invite back, and then connect that to what they do with you and your fandom, right? So it's not the, I don't know who's in my audience. I now know really well who's in my audience and I can actually invite them back to another engagement, which is may not be what your superpower has been in the past. So connecting that up with things like Superphone and community, you've got ways now of really resonating with your fan base remotely that those weren't easy to do. I mean, Community's been there for a bit and super fun for a long time, but now you can put all the pieces together and actually um, have a different relationship with your fan right now. Right. And in the digital world, we've known for a long time, especially within the DJ world, that selling music isn't really the end game. The end game is to make music, to drive people to your live event where people part with money and, uh, and support you. That's all stopped right now. Um, it is if you want to call it that, uh, to streaming. Yeah. What's the, what's the end game for streaming right now? Well, in many ways, there's some direct revenue options, the concept of tip jars. It's still not going to be what someone paid you to show up and drive a gigantic audience to showing up there at venue. Uh, there's branded opportunities. Um, a lot of it is building your brand, um, which sounds really trite in some of these cases, but in many ways, uh, there's whole new layers of influencers that are bubbling up through some of this stuff uh, where people are now curating on Twitch a bunch of different people together. So you're beginning to have people step into curatorial spaces right now. Um, I mean, some things that would have, I mean, brand advertisement is really disrupted. So we think about the fact that um, live events are disrupted, but the economics of it, not just I'm not there buying a ticket, but the folks who actually did brand sponsorships are rethinking their whole business as advertising's all upside down. And the, the, thing, the question of the who's in the room and what's the economic model is going to be upside down for a while now. So is it that I instead am building a brand I can drive to something else, that I can become an influencer pointing to new music? We did an informal survey in my large online class and a lot of students are now looking to DJ sets to actually that they're discovering online to be discovering new music so th there's some new opportunities or expanded opportunities and potentially new disruptors coming into this space mm -hmm. but it's it's not as clear-cut as I'm being paid here's the show here's people coming buying food and beverage um, you know merch is a whole different thing now sure um, it, it's it's a big economic empty spot, but it's also the question of folks who were selling into that space, their economics are all screwed up too. Um, so it, I think it's deeper than the, hi, we can't do live shows. Right. It's the, will people spend money and on what? Right. Uh, and it's going to be changing pretty dramatically. 
And as we're looking at brands that might be supporting streamers, their level of expectation is a little murky right now because yeah. all, all the numbers, what do, they, what do they mean? What is good? What is bad? It, it isn't like, oh, well, I, I just have 150,000 Facebook people. The numbers on Facebook and the numbers on Twitch are going to be rather different, aren't they? Well, different audience though. So some people totally. are actually finding on Twitch that new people are finding them that would never have found them anyplace else. And, and engagement's changing. So that number on Facebook has been a bit of a BS for a long time. So that people either had inflated numbers or you can't, in, you can't activate those people. The, the interesting thing now is that a lot of people may not be data folks, but the data side of this, I'm a data geek, I'm sorry, is really fascinating because I now can see who's being activated. I can see who might come back repeatedly. I can see who, you know, if you look at the, the casino model of the whales, dolphins, minnows, you can see your whales now. Sure. And so is it that you're assuming your population is a bunch of people who come to a show or can I do something with my whales and then turn them into the superpower of what I'm doing? And that was murkier before. Um, but a lot of it is though that if I wanna advertise, brand build right now, it's among the most effective brand ad times right now, which is something DJs don't necessarily tend to do at all. But can I think about who I might wanna activate with right now? It might be my favorite charity. And then I'm building my fan base with an activation that makes me seem like a good gal or good guy? Or can I actually think about in a year when stuff is opened up in a really different way, am I really ready for a new space then or a new geography? Am I looking at partnerships? Am I looking at where growth might happen? Do I wanna be, do I wanna be touring? Do I wanna be away from my home? Um, do I want to be saying, well, wait, there's people who are really rising up in other areas of the world that I might be able to do something with now that I never would able to meet because I was busy doing other stuff. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting things happening in other countries that I might not have been aware of while I've been so busy with my own space. Um, with a group of about 30 organizations, we did a conference like idiots uh, about three weeks ago that was 25 hours around the globe. It's now up on YouTube called Amplify Music. And uh, you can see the, the voices of different people around the world and what's happening already in different ways of thinking of outdoor events and concerts. Are there people I might want to build fan bases with now that I can connect with that might take me where I wanna go in a year? Um, it, it's a lot of people who are sitting quietly or not sitting quietly going, where do I wanna go in this crazy new world? And now is it way to reach out to somebody and say, hey, you know what, you know, how do we think about doing work together since we're all sitting at home anyway, or building new productions or new creative capacities. Um, the other thing happening is a lot of people are buying equipment. That if you look at, there's a great Rolling Stone article on this not that long ago, saying that, you know, whether it's DAWs or whether it's equipment being drop shipped to people's homes, that people are now beginning to be producing more and building home studios. You know, are there things in people I could be doing with that as well, whether it's training out people. Uh, Laura Escudet is doing some great work with Transmute, teaching people how to be using equipment producing. Um, are there things I could be doing in, in building out capacities, relationships, right. friends, I don't know. Yeah, we're definitely seeing that on the equipment side. I did a, one of these interviews about a month ago with uh, a company called Waves out of Tel Aviv. And mm -hmm. they do studio products and plugins. And as bad as things are, they actually saw a spike in mm -hmm. uh, certain plugins because 
people are captive and they're, they're making music. They're, they're making the best of, uh, of, of what's going on. Another question, you were, you were talking about Twitch. Um, one of the more interesting things in the DJ world is how you see this migration from the gamers to the music and the music and the, to the gamers. And a lot of people have gone to Twitch just to follow their favorite DJ. They didn't even know that they had a, a stream going on in Twitch. Talk a little bit about Twitch and some of the um, other platforms where DJs can stream. Well, actually, I have another sort of data point under it again, sure. data junkie, um, that I was looking under the hood at Spotify's numbers, and I keep looking under the hood at Spotify's numbers, that if you take a look at where their growth is, it's in subscribers on the gaming platforms, not on your phone. So the, the whole combination of music and gaming has been bubbling a lot more through this. Uh, talking to someone who is a guest in my class a couple of weeks ago, works with Latin artists, really moving Latin artists into gaming platforms to be gaming on Twitch and gaming, you know, gaming live on YouTube and, and various other places to be able to get into a new audience. So a lot of it is that, um, that, that Twitch and other places that are trying to get visibility right now who've been doing live streaming are really finding that there's this sort of personal experience uh, of really watching, watching musicians and creators uh, game and vice versa. It's a humanizing experience. Um, that that some of that stuff in, in thinking about the time spent gaming, you can look at Activision stock price and other folks to sort of see time spent in that space versus right. time spent in your car, time spent on mobile, time, uh, that there's a really big shift to a visual engagement mode. And, but a lot of people are engaging with music during that time. So that's, that's gotten to be a really big space right now. Right. And um, I believe your guest, uh, the, the expert on Twitch was talking about uh, the Monster Cat experience, how they're yeah. basically putting up all of their catalog and for five bucks, you can, you know, you can sort of white label all your, all that music for anything you want to do on Twitch. That's, that's pretty innovative. It's been a great business. That was Karen Allen. And she actually, before all this had Twitch for musicians and was trying to help that bridge for people to figure out how to do this and was accidentally in the right place at the right time for all of this. So she's got a lot of great resources. She also and other people have created Twitch channels that are then curatorial channels. So they then bring other people in. But yeah, the, uh, Monster Cat had, uh, and there's several other companies who do this too, but has created essentially a licensing throughput so that you can come in and get visibility. Uh, and people are bringing their portfolio of music out to various places that are video where people then can um, produce into that and bring that content into this, this extensive video realm. Right, and for $5 a month, that's not breaking anybody's heart. Nah, but um, it's, it's, it's allowing visibility that someone would never have found your work otherwise. So um, how do you see the future for opportunities within the music uh, business, given what's going on right now? Are there new opportunities being created Yes and no. So everything new that's live is going to have to, for probably quite a while, look at new density. So there's, um, there's groups in most countries. The one I'm knowing about in the United States is REVS, which is Reopen Every Venue Safely, that are rethinking and being the voice for venue operators who are thinking, what does my space have to look like? So there may be some new ideas in thinking of 
if not in an enclosed space with everyone jammed together, are there ways to think about new deployments? Um, the mundane interesting ones, which may not seem all that mundane, are the people who are repurposing drive-ins, right? Yep. Or repurposing airports. My favorite one is in Vilnius, Lithuania, where they've taken over the international airport and have turned it into a gigantic outdoor movie theater. But people are, are taking physical spaces and rethinking them. And so some people are coming in and trying to be the pilots of that, being one of the first folks to be doing concerts in new and crazy spaces or new outdoor spread out experiences. Um, there are folks who are, who are tinkering and having other people pay for doing 360 video experiences. I'm not sure there's yet money in that, but as a competitive experience, there's some that are about to be announced that are gonna come out soon. Um, People are in post-production right now, redoing old video. So there's new audio experiences going behind video. So there's a lot of things happening in post right now. Um, this is the cheapest time to buy advertising online in a really long time. So people are launching new projects together and then doing IG stories and doing ads for that and driving traffic. Uh, people are rethinking training and, and teaching programs and classes. Everything's gone online. So what you might have done in your local community to help train young people or potential new DJs, you can now do that globally. And people are launching programs globally. And that also might be who you thought was your local client in training people now could be consuming things globally. So that's changing a lot. And part of the question though is what will people want to pay for? Um, in the past for not looking just at DJ events, but for ticketed concerts for everything. There was a study a few years ago that the average average person only went to two to three ticketed concerts a year in the United States. So will that ratio change? Will it be that you'll have 20% of people wanting to go out and now you need to figure out a different delivery modality for the folks that won't be going out. So some people are tinkering with what might be the new models, what might be the new collaboratives. Uh, there's new white label stuff. So I want to say Maestro is one of them where you're building out then your own streaming platform product that you're then not going on something else. You're creating a private experience. And then there are a lot of VIP based meet and greet, small intimate products that are already out there and new ones popping up nearly every week so that I might not be doing a large event they're paying me a blank amount of money for or doing some kind of rev share in a gate. I instead am going to be offering a VIP experience that is going to be for a premium to my super fans that identified through this other stuff. And that's happening across many areas of music right now where people are delivering and creating new not not sitting here on beautiful zoom right uh new digital experiences that are vip experiences that are something more intimate meaningful personal uh curatorial um yeah i think i think all this stuff is interesting uh gigantic no um potentially gigantic though in delivering a group of fans who might not have come to see you in the past um taking what you're doing global that might have been regional all sorts of interesting stuff so for the DJ who's playing a club or a festival, that experience is going to have to be reimagined in mm -hmm. a big way. It isn't, you know, I, I see that some of the concerts are coming back. I believe, I believe it was in Tennessee, perhaps, and they had uh, 
some distancing rules where it, they could only fill like 20% of their balcony or something like that. It's going to be a little more problematic for, for nightclubs, I think. Don't, don't you think that's going to be a, a steeper climb? On, on a couple fronts. Um, one is going to be getting insurance. I mean, that sounds very mundane. But the cost of getting insurance for a, a legal club might be a massive pain in the rear. Uh, we, uh, at the Amplify Music Conference that we had done three weeks ago, one of the big things that kept coming up totally was insurance. That... Um, your insurance company is going to let you be able to do this. And what, what are the terms and what would be the cost of what they ask you to do? Um, the other question is um, the nature of being out, right? So are you going to have to check in at the door and check in with your real identity at the door? Are they going to take your temperature? And, and who's the person who's going to do that? Are you going to be retraining bouncers to take temperature? And, and you know... Are you going to have to have tech at the door to scan people in that is going to be reporting that they were at your venue, which eh, may not be what they want. There are already a big, big movements to whether it's pop-ups or non-permitted. Is there going to be a whole nother layer that's going to be a economic and health challenge with different relationships with various people in a city as to pushing to the underground? So that's already happening in some cities and also already being a disease vector in some cities. So what gets to be the relationship between the above board permitted venue event and a lot of the other stuff going on. So that whole relationship may change pretty dramatically. Yeah. Is it going to be a situation where you have to indemnify the, the DJ or the venue, uh, you know, maybe going to a bar mitzvah, all of a sudden you have to sign a legal piece of paper. And not only that, but, Yes. <laughs> Actually, I do think that that private events are going to be a whole interesting, different thing, and that might be a different relationship than something that's advertised to the public. Mm -hmm. um, but it gets to be the how much, I'm already hearing this in other sectors, and I don't know how this is hitting the DJ world, is the, what's a guarantee look like? And so if, is it the fact that you will no longer get the guarantees you used to have, and you now will take an economic risk? Or that certain folks will still get guarantees, but it's going to be a different risk share for when the event actually happens. And I'm definitely hearing that from some big name traditional music artists is the nature of that is changing. Yeah, the pie is going to be uh, differently sized. Well, also differently proportioned as to who's taking right. the event risk, right? right exactly. So is the promoter going to take the risk or do you need to take some of it as well? Um, and does this open every renegotiation up? Sure. So to wrap this up, I want to ask you to put on your futuristic glasses. And what do you think uh, this conversation is going to be careful? <laughs> what do you think this conversation is going to be like in a year? Um, gosh, so many layers. Because I actually, I tend to get to where to, August and not necessarily even for a year because we'll know so much more happily or sadly in a, in a month, right? Um, we have so many geographies that are doing human experiments right now, sadly. Human Petri dishes. Yes. Human Petri dishes. Yep. And so we'll know what, what will conflate into problems. Um, we'll know if people are willing to spend money. Uh, we will know what recovery looks like in terms of the economics of a 25-year-old or a 20-year-old. Um, 
and those things we don't know right now. The, the things that are going to be interesting is what happens with physical venues, right? So does it make sense? And this is what I'm hearing from a lot of venue owners. I can't make a living at 25% or 50% capacity. I seriously cannot pay the mortgage for that. I cannot pay for this property. So is it that, you know, the whole economics of having large venues is going to be all over the map? And so I do think we'll have a lot of bankruptcies of people who were holding mortgages for venues. Um, so I, uh, who's going to take that loss? And so I think the physical plant of what will be a live experience will have to get rethought. I mean, we're having that on everything, whether it's commercial real estate to whatever. So whoever's going to take a risk of owning a venue, that's going to be a whole different thing in a year. Um, unless, and if someone had a bunch of debt, they're, they're screwed. Um, and so if you're not the party that is being the, the investor partner, the equity partner, if you're hoping someone pays you for something, um, I, I think new people are going to make money on rethinking all of this. And so if you're the input as a DJ, um, is it going to be that there's half as many events or a quarter of the events with totally different economics? Where do you stand in your negotiation in this new space? Is it that you're going to need to be able to walk in with a different asset in terms of fans who stuck with you through this whole time and the nature of fandom is going to be really different. Um, but I think that just saying we're going to reopen in a year, I think you're going to have a whole bunch of people who've made less money in the next year that may want a different economic and delivery, or it might be that we have this new health panacea mm -hmm. and people now would really want to celebrate and be out with others. Um, there's already interesting movements and we're, we're going to be sharing this and showing this in May of 2020, but people already not renewing leases in, 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 um, in middle of metropolitan areas and moving out into the suburbs, where will we be doing events? Where will I be willing to go? Will I be willing to go on a plane to go to an event? Um, all these things are big question marks. So I know that and, and will I be able to get a cost-effective plane ticket to go follow my favorite DJ someplace? I think sure. that we have so many different puzzle pieces. I think the need to gather totally will be there. The need for, as it's been called, um, secular church, to go and celebrate and be with others massively will be there. The economics of what that relationship is going to be with the physical space, with your fans, with the music experience, with the technology, when people are used to all of, of a different engagement, um, I think it's going to open a different portfolio of things and will help the person who has thought through a lot of this, continue their relationships, uh, worked on new creative enterprises, up their technology game. So when the, when the new portfolio is out there, able to really be there, be present, understand your brand, understand your fans, been a curator, curator for new music um, and not took on too much debt. I mean, too, I'm, I'm really big anti-debt right now. Don't take on a bunch of debt. Good idea. Yeah. You know, keep your expenses low. Uh, Cause I do think that we'll have a whole need for something new by August and new by next year. Right. And like a lot of uh, business spaces, a lot is going to depend on vaccinations, uh, figuring out where people have been and where they're going. Um, there, there's a lot of the, uh, interesting things we're about to experience in the next couple months. And yep. here's to uh, the medical and science people for helping us out.
So thank you so much, Dr. Gigi Johnson from uh, UCLA. Uh, check out her podcast, Innovating Music. I recommend it uh, highly. And uh, thanks a whole bunch. And, and if you suggest anybody to us to put on the show, we'd love to bring in ideas. Um, most people are on the show because somebody who listens to the show says, hey, you should have Fabrice on. You should have uh, LA Inception Orchestra on this coming week, um, who's, do, who's teaching composition through VR globally now. Um, so what is it, who would you love to have on the show? And also if you'd like to come play with us at UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, we've got really fabulous students and other folks doing all sorts of great work looking at the questions we're talking about today. It's great to hear. Thanks a lot, doctor. Okay.